Welcome to the CPG Academy. I'm your host, Austin Grozier, and we're here to talk about all things CPG. Hey, what is up, guys? This is episode 15, episode 15 of the CPG Academy. Uh, I am Austin Grozier of Big Dipper Dough. I am your host on today's show. So last week, episode 14, we talked about how to travel uh, on a budget. Today I'm bringing this live from uh, somewhere in southern New Hampshire. I believe I'm south of Manchester, New Hampshire. Middle of nowhere, New England, more or less. But uh, bringing this episode today, we are talking about how to do trade shows on a budget. It is the Monday before Expo West. Expo West is this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And if you guys are listening to the show and you're still planning on going, not worried about getting sick, we will be there, booth 7405. That is 7405. The coronavirus kind of puts a fun spin on the trade show as a lot of the retailers have backed out, as a lot of the vendors have backed out. So it'll be a fun show. Uh, regardless, I've got to fly out to California, even if we didn't want to do the show, because I've shipped all my stuff out there, so I'd have to go meet it and get it shipped back. But uh, be flying out of Boston tomorrow, out to L.A. And fingers crossed, plan to do the show. Um, yeah, try to wear gloves for a mask, and we'll make the best of it. It'll be a fun experience, to say the least. And, um, yeah. Never done a trade show in midst of a uh, health scare, a panic. So definitely chalk it up to a new experience. What we're talking about today, similar along the theme last week, is how to do a trade show on a budget. I know last week I said it was going to be a short episode. I think it was one of my longer episodes. In part, it was probably because I had just spent a week on the road. And in fact, I am at the beginning of two weeks on the road this time around. So, um... Yeah, I just flew out of Tampa today, got into Boston, and drove up here. So trade shows. How to do a trade show on the budget. There's a number of things, number of ways you can save money. First off, and probably most important, we're going to save the most money, is not doing trade shows where you'll have no return. I cannot begin to tell you how much money I have wasted from doing trade shows that have brought us no returns. Now, I'm not saying all the smaller trade shows should not be done. I'm not at all saying that. But I'm saying you need to evaluate who your customer is, who's going to be at the trade show, and what exactly you need to sell or what the return needs to be for you to have a profitable or a successful trade show. Early on in our business, we did a consumer trade show. I won't mention any names. We did a consumer trade show. And most of it has been one of those where just the stars aligned. Because this show was off the charts. We brought a lot more cookie dough than we ever should have. And we sold through almost all of it. I don't know what happened at the show, but there were so many people coming through. We sold so much product. We gave out so many flyers. And we just had a bang and show. And that skewed my perspective, at least, very widely from what the reality is. 
of how consumer trade shows should be. Now, mind you, that was like our first real experience with the consumer trade show, and it was out of this park. It was so good. Unfortunately, in the past three years, we have never been able to replicate that. We've honestly never been able to come close to replicating that. So I don't know if it was, because I think it was nice, nice days out, but the reason people were going inside, what was drawing them there, I'm not totally sure. But for us, at least, our consumer trade shows, B2C trade shows, like getting your product in front of people, have yet to prove a profitable return for us. So I would advise you to check into those and evaluate, you know, what the cost is for your trade show and what the return has to be for it. So first and foremost, as I said, is simply picking the trade show. So that's B2C trade shows. Uh, B2B2B trade shows are a different story. Of course, in B2C, I mean, basically the whole intention of a B2C trade show is to simply just break even. You know, obviously selling your product at enough money where it can cover itself and sell enough of it for to cover your booth and cover your employees and your time and everything else. Obviously, you can save on that by traveling cheap, as we talked about in the last podcast. But yeah, the whole intention, more or less, is just to break even and to just get your name, your brand, your product out there to a number of consumers. Again, I don't know if it's just us. Very well could just be us, but we really have yet to do that successfully after that first trade show. So I, I, again, strongly encourage you to reevaluate. B2B is a different story. With B2B trade shows, the whole intention is to meet buyers, right? To get in front of them, to show them you're real, show them you're a person, show them who you are, what you're all about. And the B2B trade shows, unlike the B2C trade shows, it only takes one person, maybe two couple to make those shows worthwhile you close one decent sized account off a b2b trade show and the whole thing's paid for itself and then some that's the whole intention the whole purpose of those shows plus the networking so deciding what shows to go to there's a lot of them out there i don't know i I flirt the lines with like naming names and not naming names I feel like naming names positively is good with the emphatic triple asterisk statement that this is not at all a list of complete trade shows, complete good trade shows, but it's only a partial list. But you know, depends what you want to do. Uh, again, we're on the, I already mentioned Expo West. So we'll be at Expo West, and Expo West has always been a good show for us. There's a sister show in this fall called Expo East. And those are both natural food shows. Expo West is the bigger of the two, and it brings people in from everywhere. Expo East is definitely a little bit more on the East Coast, but it is a large natural food show. Another fantastic show that we've done in the past is called IDDBA. Obviously depends on your industry and what you're into, but it's Dairy Deli Bakery. So we met fantastic, you know, retailers there like Sam's Club and Walmart. Great brokers, great buyers. It's been a very successful trade show. We've only done it one year, but we'll absolutely be back again this year. Uh, Sweets and Snack Show is a fantastic show if you have, you know, stackable goods, uh, indulgent items, things that are, you know, for C-stores, fast-moving. The NRA Show 
is the National Restaurant Association show in Chicago every year. I believe it's the NCA show, but the National uh, NACS NACS show, the National Convenience Store show, is I think in Atlanta every year. Though it might move, I know it was in Atlanta last year at least. That's a fantastic show again for indulgent products, for C store single serve items, things like that. So Expo East and West, IDDBA, NRA show, NACS show, IAPA was a show we did last year that was super successful, and that is amusement parks. So amusement parks and family fun centers and water parks and things of that nature. There's a number of regional grocery shows, there's a number of regional food service shows, um, two regional convenience store shows as well. And again, those are specific on your product and on your customer and require your evaluation. They can be super successful because you just have to make sure the numbers play out and what you need to do to be successful at those shows. Alright, so first off, as mentioned, how to pick the trade show, which I feel like we've kind of gone over, gone over some good trade shows, making sure you're not picking duds. Right, the second part to that is obviously getting a good booth. Maybe I'm a sucker. I probably am a sucker, let's be honest. But uh, I've never really been able to negotiate less on a trade show booth. I think the trade shows would rather be empty than to sell the booths for less because it's such a dangerous precedent. Everybody starts to negotiate and haggle with them. That's an assumption. I obviously don't know if it's true or not. But again, in my experience, I've never had any success in negotiating with trade shows. So that being said, when you go to pick your booth, you probably have to pay full price. I've never had any success anyway. So if you do, power to you, let me know. So go to pick your booth. Understand that corners cost more than inside booths. Understand that booths and if there's multiple rooms and the biggest room or the the yeah, the largest room with the biggest players cost more than the ones in the smaller rooms. Understand that the shows want to sell you those, those big booths. And maybe I'm wrong. But in my experience, any buyer or any broker or any distributor that is worth his weight doesn't just walk the main show. He walks every row, every room. It's his job. It's to find new products. So for me, people will might say I'm wrong, whatever it is. If I can tell you, you can save a whole hell of a lot of money by buying a smaller booth in a on one of the side halls or not in the main area. Now that being said, you want to make sure that you're being grouped or like lumped in the same area as everybody else. And you do want to make sure that there was one trade show in specific I can remember that there was the main room and then like down a hall was like a tiny room with maybe like the main room might have had 150, 200 booths. Tiny room might have had 10 booths. And they totally got neglected during the show. But different shows like Expo East or West will have like the main hall and then a number of side rooms and auxiliary rooms, smaller rooms. So the buyers are much more accustomed, much more used to going to those. So be cognizant of that. If it's like one small room off the side, you're probably going to have a dud of traffic. But if there's many smaller rooms, if there's many auxiliary rooms to the big one, 
then you should be good. So you can save money first off by getting a booth, by getting a cheaper booth a little bit ways away. You also want to see who your neighbors are. Right? You don't want to have... If I'm selling cookie dough, you don't want your neighbors to be compostable bowls and gadgets and widgets and all kinds of stuff. You want to make sure that your neighbors are there are food food businesses. And if they're not, I would ask to move. Because you want to make sure, again, the buyer's going to walk the whole show. But if you're in an area that has nothing to do with your products, they're going to have a hard time. They're not going to find you. So make sure that you're picking an area that has products similar to yours. Cool. So we talked about what kind of shows to do. And if you want more information, reach out to me. I'm a little hesitant to see how much you put on the air, specifically naming shows. I know I've named a couple of good shows. Minus the coronavirus, of course. <laughs> but I know I've named a couple of good shows. And uh, hopefully that can help steer in the right direction. So we talked about what shows to do. We talked about how to find a booth to save money. So next, they are going to try to upcharge you on everything. They're going to try to sell you carpet and tables and move-in services and everything else. If you have a big booth that you have to have people bringing in, I can't help you. Nothing I can do. But if you're a small brain like me, I'll give you I me. Mean, I'll tell you guys my my playbook. Exactly what you can do to save money at a trade show. First off, if they offer a table and chairs and things, great. If they don't, great. When I first get to a city, I'm going to do a trade show in. I mean, you can ask the people, but I've asked in the past and they've been wrong. So I pretty much always just go to the trade show first. I check in. I get my badge and my badges, and then I go to my booth and see where I'm at in the show because I'm going to have to know where to carry stuff into and to see what's actually at my booth. Great. So after I do that, next, I go to Home Depot. So go to Home Depot, and you typically have to have floor covering. So you go to Home Depot, you go to the carpet section, and in the carpet section, they have carpet that you can get like I said a big roll you have to have somebody come over and cut it for you you ask them for a 10 foot chunk you want to want 10 foot of it it's 12 feet wide you ask for 10 feet long so you get a 10 foot piece and I, I just buy the cheapest stuff there and you'll see what it is it's just like a real thin fabric I think it's like 47 cents a square yard like it's like 10 bucks for 10 10 by 10 thing and mind they're trying to sell you the same thing for like 300 bucks so 10 bucks instead of 300 Great. Next, Home Depot. Go to the outdoor area and find yourself a table. I think 8-foot tables are what's typical because most booths are 10 feet wide. So you get yourself an 8-foot table and make sure you get the one that folds in half. Honestly, it's maybe 4 feet wide, 8 feet long. Maybe it's 3 feet wide, 8 feet long. But it's like the same table at every Home Depot. I think it's made by a company called Lifetime. Just a white table, has great legs. Every Home Depot in the country I've been to has them. So you get your carpet. You get your table. If it's your heart desires, get yourself a chair. Though no, I really never use chairs. I feel that they like slow you down. They definitely make you lethargic. They don't make you as excited. You get tired. 
So it's better even though it's uncomfortable. I mean, you pay good money. You pay a couple grand to be at that show. Stand. Be excited. Be enthusiastic. So you get carpet. You get your table. Get a chair if you want. And then get two trash cans. Boom. That's all of the hard goods you need for your booth. Obviously, different products have different food safety and different uh, requirements there. Uh, for me, I'll usually then go to Sam's Club and I will buy like a 600 pack of spoons. You can go to the local grocery store and get like a 50 pack of plastic spoons for like two or three bucks a piece. Or you can go to Sam's Club and get a 600 pack for like less than 10 bucks. So, I mean, there's, it's like a, a penny a spoon maybe versus like five or six cents. So, significantly cheaper. So, I just go get, just get a pack of regular white plastic spoons. So now, you got your you got your booth, you got your trade show, you got your booth, you got your carpet, you got your table, you got your two trash cans, one for each side of your table, and you got a chair. Great. Next, and if you haven't listened to the last episode yet, go listen. But I use FedEx for everything. not too noisy but I feel like I'm roasting up here in my car roll down a couple windows so I use FedEx for everything as I mentioned before uh, it's I think it's print and go at FedEx.com or it's print me at FedEx.com all of your flyers and your sell sheets and your price lists and your business cards not your business. You probably already have those. But anything that's like uh, 8.5 by 11, don't take with you because they'll get damaged, they'll get destroyed. Just print them, you know, nearby. So you go to Home Depot, you go to Stamps Club, and you get those materials. Obviously, if you need, you know, sanitizer or gloves or forks or knives or plates or paper towel, whatever else, get that as well as needed for your business. But you get those materials. So next, you go to FedEx. And you send your, your, you should have sell sheets, price lists, maybe a couple sales decks, and of course business cards. Be sure to have the business cards. The other three things, you send to FedEx, print and go at FedEx.com, I think it is, and you print them off there. Now hopefully by now you've listened to the last episode and you've, you're, you're a doer and not just a listener. And you've called FedEx, you said, hey, I own a business. I want to get a FedEx shipping account, a FedEx printing account, and they'll hook you up. So you go to print, and again, you print for a hell of a lot less, maybe 30 40% off than you would if you were just a everyday person. So you save money there. So you get your flyers, your, your price list, you get all that good stuff. If you're lacking, you didn't get business cards, you didn't have business cards with you, then you have to email them over. And again, all the FedEx stores have it. It's a USA with four numbers. So you like USA one two three four FedEx.com. You email them the proofs there. You say, hey, I need five hundred or a thousand business cards on whatever kind of paper, whatever kind of cut. And they'll do it for you. Cool. Next. I wish this is a video because I could post this box. But I have this FedEx box. And maybe it's like a, a f- foot's twelve and maybe it's fourteen or sixteen inches wide wide and long and it's probably two two and a half feet tall this box is beat to shit (laughs) it has been across the country and back probably a hundred times 
I don't know, it's just a Milwaukee box. I, I don't necessarily like it. It's just a regular FedEx box. There's FedEx on the side. The thing is, like, it's been wrapped over in tape so many times. It has so many old shipping labels on it and things. But it's my box, and I love it. And it's a company on many journeys. Beside this FedEx box, all right? So in this box, I have the following. I have a small cooler for my cookie dough. I have a 8-foot table cover that goes over the table and then falls down to the ground. I have two 10-foot extension cords. I have a small clothes steamer. I have a 2-gallon white plastic pail, which I then keep all of my empty packaging and lids in. I have three business card holders. I have one to two boxes of business cards. I've got my cookie dough suit, which we'll talk about, uh, belt, and shoes. It sounds like a lot, and it is. Let's unpack that for a second. So first off, I have the cooler. So I will have cookie dough sent into me, so samples sent into me. When I do that, obviously... I'm usually sleeping in the car, so I don't have a place to store them. So this shipped into me on dry ice. And I'll, I'll get back to more in a second. Basically, the cooler is how I keep my samples. Next, if you remember, we bought the 8-foot table, which is great. Oh, and also I have trash bags in this box as well. So if you remember, we bought the 8-foot table, which is great. But we need a table cover for it. So with the table cover, this is it's just a it's just designed for the same size table, an eight foot table, which again these things are sold in every Home Depot in the country. This I can just stuff and cram in the box, and I lay it out and it goes flat across. It's all black. It goes flat across the table and it falls down to the floor, so I can hide everything underneath the table and you can't see it. I have just like a roll of trash bags, you know, as just standard trash bags, because I just buy like a maybe like a five gallon trash can at Home Depot. These maybe like seven gallon trash bags. Simple trash bags. I have a white two gallon pail which is like it's like ten inches long so it fits in perfect inside this box. And inside there you're gonna put all of like the empty packaging and lids. Cause you don't want those to get crushed and smashed because those are gonna be your display. I have three just clear plastic business card holders that I bought off Amazon which I put out in front of my booth. I have like maybe two boxes of 500 each business cards, which I just you know carry with me. And as they get low, I just have more printed off at a FedEx office whenever I'm on the road. I also have a, a uh, I think it's 36 inch wide by 96 inch long, whatever that math is, uh, table runner, which goes across my table um, like the short way. Like, it's real long. It's as long as my table is wide, like, eight feet. But it goes across my table a short way. So, like, the top of it is on top of my table and shows, like, our logo. And the front has our logo and, like, a little image and things. I have a eight-foot banner. Now, initially, my first banner was vinyl. But the problem with vinyl is it gets beat to crap. It gets folded and it gets chipped and it just looks ugly after a while. So with my cloth banner, I can stuff it in my bag just like I can do my table runner and I can do my tablecloth. I can pull it out all wrinkly 
and I hang that shit up and I stretch it out and as I mentioned I have a steamer in there with two 10 foot extension cords to make sure I can reach whatever plug I'm nearby and I plug that steamer in and I do it the day before and I just steam the crap out of it all I steam all the wrinkles out of my banner I steam all the wrinkles out of my table runner and I steam all the wrinkles out of my table so I can shove those in the bag when I'm done pull them out all wrinkled hang them up steam them and they look brand new obviously I've got the steamer it's only like 10 bucks I bought at Walmart like it's nothing crazy it's just you just go to the bathroom fill it up with water you find an electrical plug-in behind your booth you find one of your neighbor's booth let them, they'll let you borrow it and you steam everything so cool so we picked the trade show we picked the booth we got our carpet, our table, our trash cans. Now we got our table, our tablecloth, our trash bags. We got our steamer. We got our business cards, our packaging. We got the business card holders. We're getting everything together. Something I did that's super unique. And I mean, if you're listening and if you know me, you've probably seen it. If you don't, you know, check us out online. I'm sure you can find it on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere. But I got a three-piece suit that has the cookie print on it. So it's an all-white suit and it has like, you know, orange, like yellow, orange, just chocolate chip cookies. Printed all over the suit. I wear a white shirt underneath it. Uh, it has a cookie suit, a cookie print tie, a cookie print blazer, and cookie print pants. And again, I mean, I fold those neatly and put them in the box. But when I pull them out, they're usually wrinkled. I got to steam them. But that is fun, it's unique, it's something different. It makes for great follow-up after the call, after the expo. You say, hey, remember me, I'm the, cook- I'm the guy in the cookie suit. It makes people laugh. Even if they don't want to stop, they go, hey, I love the suit. They see you walking in, they see you walking out, they want to come find you. So obviously, from a competitive standpoint, don't do it. But from a, trying to help you out and sharing the knowledge I've learned, it's been incredibly beneficial. The only thing I could say is that no, I had concerns about it being like gaudy or tacky or like me coming off as like being desperate. But I've got to say that the response I've gotten to it has always been positive. And it's all more about how you wear it. People probably can like sense you feel like maybe an imposter or like all tacky or something. Maybe that's the case. But if you're just like, hey, like I'm the cookie guy, like I sell cookie dough, like we're having fun, want to make people laugh, they dig it and it works. So yeah, side note, but yeah, highly recommend the cookie suit. Uh, two more things. The guy's talking about carpet and things. I never really finished up them trying to upsell you. The trade show people will so they try to upsell you on carpet and on Wi-Fi and on internet. Oh, what's internet? And electrical and everything else. Carpet, I told you how to get. Uh, table, I told you how to get. A chair, I told you how to get trash can I told you how to get uh, electrical I've never purchased it again I recommend you show up there early because some shows yeah, I've even actually been at shows you're supposed to pay for it and it's already wired in my booth so I didn't question it but and this might draw heat you know typically if your neighbor has it, they don't mind you plugging in or typically if you just like look behind your booth usually there's a wall with a plug in somewhere I don't think it's official but I mean I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this on air, but like, what's the harm, you know? Better to ask for forgiveness than beg for permission, right? 
Select your client never, never forget. And if, you know, you just go in with all your shit charged or you be prepared. And if my phone's abusing throughout the day and it starts to die, just plug it in my laptop and charge it back up. Electrical never pay for, or excuse me, wireless, like internet never pay for, because I just use the hotspot off my phone and charge, you know, have my laptop that way if I need to, or obviously just have internet off, off my lap, off my phone for my phone. They will try to sell you on a scanner for scanning uh, tags. Depending how much money you got, how much you got to spend for your budget, I do, I, I do recommend you get that scanner. I've lost more prospects than I would have liked trying to be cheap. I think it's made my scanner might, might be two fifty, might be three hundred bucks. Basically, what that means is every tag has a has like a QR code on it, and that scanner, you scan it and it pops up with the person's name, email, address, phone number, all their contact info. So I find less and less trade shows people are going to, people are carrying on business cards. And because of that, it makes it uh, more difficult to follow up. If they got a card, great, they'll give it to you. Or if they only have like one left, ask to see it and take a picture and give it back to them. So either way is fine there. But if they don't have a card, either it's annoying to try to be like, hey, what's your name? Like, all right, you know, Jenny, Jenny Smith. What's your phone number? What's your email? Maybe you just don't hear them. It just takes a while. It's annoying. It's kind of awkward. For that reason, I recommend getting do buying the scanner if you can't afford it. That two fifty. Otherwise, get the card, take a picture if you can, or just you know have a clipboard and a piece of paper, your phone, and write down their info. Something else to learn is not to have them write down their own info. You write down their info, because I had a trade show once I went to and had was having people write down their info, and after that trade show, I lost probably 10-15 contacts because I can read what they wrote I could tell they left me their name their phone number all that but I cannot for the life of me get it figured out so I recommend you write that so if you can't afford it I do recommend the lead generation app cool I think we're getting near the end of this it's a lot longer than I expected it to be 30 minutes here I got a lot to talk about here and hopefully this helps save people some money so with that box, so I ship it in on a FedEx. So if I know I'm going to be in you know, Los Angeles like this week, like I did last week, come Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll go down to the local ship center, the FedEx ship center, FedEx office, and get my account, find a location out in California to ship it to, and ship that bad boy out there. If you guys have a product like mine that requires the dry ice, that is a hazardous good. And you cannot ship that to a local FedEx store. You can ship that to a person's home if you're staying with a friend. Or you know somebody in the area that will let you ship the package to their house. Otherwise you can ship to what's called a FedEx ship center. So FedEx offers all these magical things I know I talked about. Which basically allows you to you know print package or print uh, photos and copies and sell sheets and all that kind of stuff real affordably. So any of those places you can ship out of. And you can ship almost anything to those places with what's called hold at location. So if I'm in Tampa and I'm going out to Los Angeles like I was, I can ship it to I can ship my package to a FedEx store at 123 Main Street, hold that location, Austin Grocer. 
gets there three, four days later. I then got five days to go pick it up. So I show up there, show my ID. I might take a $10 charge in the shipping, but it's nothing you ever pay out of pocket. The hold that there, wait, wait for you. So especially if you don't have a buddy there, don't have an address. It's a great way to get that, that box full of all that stuff you need to save your money out there. But again, if you're shipping a dangerous skilled like dry ice, you can't ship to a FedEx office. If you gotta ship to a home, if you don't have a home, you gotta ship to a FedEx ship center. So that FedEx ship center is basically the local FedEx like distribution centers, the warehouses, and they can't handle dan- uh, dangerous goods. A word of caution with the hold of location that I would recommend you not to ship it without first checking online. If you go to the FedEx website and you find the location, It'll tell you right there that the service offered is a whole other location or not. I've been burned a couple times by shipping something to a FedEx store without realizing they didn't do a whole other location. Then I spent a day or two all stressed out traveling on and trying to find what I need to find. So I typically will ship my samples on dry ice into a FedEx ship center and then to the same FedEx ship center send that box full of goodies to. So I can grab both in the same place. Also, in that box, I have a utility knife to cut, cut the carpet. forgot to mention that before. So I'm sure there's more to talk about here. This is actually taking a lot longer than I expected you to get where I wanted. I'm going to listen to this. Uh, probably next week might be a continuation on this. Maybe it won't be. I dropped a lot of you know, actionable tactical knowledge here in regards to what to do between picking the booth, you know, buying the materials... Oh, and I forgot to mention before I sign off. That table and trash cans you bought from Home Depot, if you're done, you can return them. You don't got to throw them away. You can return them back to Home Depot as long as you're clean and, you know, perfect order. Don't rip the labels and shit off. Get your money back. So all I really had was like the 30 bucks for the carpet, not the 100 bucks for the table and trash cans and everything else too. So you got to make sure you keep your shit clean. You gotta make sure you keep the labels on. Again, there's a lot more to talk about in regards to actual tactics for trade shows. You know, how to get people come up to your booth that suits the one way. But this is a straight tactical knowledge of how to actually save money at a trade show. I appreciate y'all listening. Appreciate you guys' support. We're starting to get more epi- more downloads every episode. Each episode is getting better. Hope I'm getting better as a narrator. Trying to add a little more uh, enthusiasm into my voice. Keep a little more interesting than just a plain monotone like I probably was doing when I first started. So again, I appreciate you guys listening. Got a couple questions, text calls, emails from people listening. So again, greatly appreciate that as well. Please keep those coming. I'm here to help. I'm trying to provide the knowledge and value that I wish I had early on in business. Hopefully save you guys some time, some money, and some stress. So until next time, it's episode 15. How to do trade shows on a budget. Thank you all for watching. Have a great night. Thank you all for listening to the CPG Academy. Our ask is simple. If this podcast brought you any value, please share it with a friend. Whether in business or in CPG, we hope to be able to bring them value too. We'd love to hear from you guys to answer any questions you might have or to discuss any topics you might want to talk about. If you, think you'd be, if you think you'd be a good guest for the show, or you think you know somebody that would be, please shoot us an email or shoot me a text. 
My email is austin at the cpgacademy.com and my phone number is 231-883-6035. Thank you all. Have a great night.